Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where we aim to give you critical and easily applicable leadership concepts to help you along your journey. I'm your co-host, Scott, and I have the privilege of talking life and leadership with the owner and founder of Rising Tide Leadership, Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. <laughs> hey, Scotty, it sounds uh, very official when you say it that way. So, uh, hey, man, it's, it's good to be here. Let's, uh, let's talk leadership. Absolutely. So today we're talking about team building. And when I think of team building, I think of one of my favorite heist movies, and there's a lot of them out there, but one of my all-time favorites is Ocean's Eleven. So in the movie, Danny Ocean, who's played by (laughs) George Clooney, uh, is released from a New Jersey prison and in less than 24 hours is already planning his next big heist. Now, (laughs) everybody knows that a dysfunctional team and poor planning lead to even poor outcomes. And there are so many movies and shows out there that show this and prove this point. Um, So with that being said, Ocean decides to set off to assemble his team while following really three simple rules. First, don't hurt anybody. Then don't steal from anyone who doesn't deserve it. And lastly, play the game like you've got nothing to lose. And these three rules mean that Ocean has to be very selective in building his winning team. He can't just pick anybody off the street. So he goes through a whole process of of selecting each team member for, for, for a specific part of the job. He, for example, hires Basher for a specific demolition role. He hires Yen for his acrobatic skills, and then he hires the hilarious and probably my favorite characters, Turk and uh, Virgil, for their driving, but also arguing skills, uh, <laughs> and and then hires a few others that, that we're not going to get into. But overall, Ocean knows that building a winning team is the only way the heist is going to be successful, and, and they are right. successful. Plot twist, or not plot twist, spoiler alert, I should say, uh, but overall, not without hiccups, um, because what... Hollywood heist movie doesn't have those. Uh, But because Ocean has the right people on his team, they're able to adapt and come out victorious. And Mm. so this is just one example of showing that building a winning team is a cornerstone of effective leadership. And so as we dive into this episode, I know we're going to explore three key points that our listeners excel in this area. So why don't you go ahead, help us dive into that first point. Yeah, you got it, man. Man, I, let me tell you, I love Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Twelve was, you know, pretty good, but Ocean's Thirteen was like uh, way, way to bring it home. So, um, oh, yeah. great, great <laughs> franchise, and uh, uh, loved it. Um, but hey, today we are we're talking about building winning teams, and Danny Ocean really did build a winning team, and um, you know all the stuff that they go through and they you know deal with problems and all that kind of stuff. So the question for our our, our leaders out there today is: Are you building your winning team? And so if you want to do that, like Scott said, we've got three points. And the first one is this. If you want to build a winning team, you need to worry or not worry. You need to focus on assembling (laughs) the right mix of talent. And so the first step in building your winning team is to, you know, get everybody kind of in the right place. And we talk about that all the time, right, about getting the right people on the bus. So it's not about finding the best individuals. Um, It's more about finding the right individuals to work effectively together to achieve whatever your goal is. And Scott, it, it, it there, there's different goals in, in different industries or uh, where you're giving time to, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, your, your, your local church or um, at your, your workplace, there's a whole different 
um, set of things that you need to get done. And so for our leaders out there, I really want you to focus on where you are called to be a leader. And so if this is the common goal, how do you do that together? Absolutely. And I have to I have to step in and ask a question here because logically it would seem that the best people would be the right people. So the best people may be meaning that the person with the right qualifications, mm-hmm. the right certifications, the right education uh, would be those right people. So if that's not mm-hmm. the case, then Mo, what would be that secret to finding the perfect mix of talent? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, Scotty. Um, I actually get this question a lot. People say exactly what you did. Well, it seems like the best people are the right people, right? And and I'm and really the answer is sometimes, but not always. In fact, when I've been a, a a coach for young people for my entire adult career, and I always tell um, I always tell these kids whether I'm recruiting at the college level or talking about uh, putting together a, a team for high school or a club or whatever as a swim coach, I say, look, I'm not looking for the best people. I'm looking for the right people now. The right people might be, uh, or the, the the best people could be part of the right people, but not always. And so it, really think about it like this. If we start by understanding the team's objectives and the roles that are required to achieve those objectives, then you're on the, then you're on the right track. You see, leaders need to assess the strengths and weaknesses of their team members and align them with these roles. Because you might have some real, like the best people, but sometimes the best people, Scott, have also like the toughest weaknesses. And I'm telling you, you get the wrong weaknesses in the wrong place, and it's really going to kind of put you at a disadvantage. And so leaders, when you're doing that, um, you need to be asking yourself, do I have the right people? Which brings me, of course, Scott, to our first book recommendation of the day, which is no stranger (laughs) to anybody who's been listening to this podcast. And it is this, StrengthsFinder 2.0 by Tom Rath. It's a definite must for every leader to read. And I know we, we talk about the, <laughs> the, the, the top 50 and every book, right, Scott, <laughs> is on my top five. But I'm telling you for reals this time that you should have this book on your shelf. And Scott, I told you right away when we started hanging out years ago, get this book on your shelf. And so here's a question that I have. Um, for each of you leaders out there, do you know your top five strengths? Now, if you're really invested, you can, you know, go to the website and pay a little bit more, right? And get uh, what I call the, or, or what, what they call the, the top 34 strengths, because there's 34 strengths in StrengthsFinder. And so you can either, you know, get the book that has a code um, and you can know your top five strengths, or you can do what I did and pay a, a couple extra dollars and actually find out your strengths from top to bottom, <laughs> your best strength, the number one, <laughs> and, and the strength that you are least um, likely to have, which is number 34. Um, and so once you know, leaders, uh, your top five, you can start to lead others from those strengths. That's the first part. But Scott, you probably know where I'm going next. If you want to find the right <laughs> mix of talent, you're going to have to know not only your strengths, but the strengths of the people on your team. Meaning you don't want a bunch of people like yourself because that's really going to frustrate you because we end up really actually not liking, um, you know, really having people like ourselves because you know, we already have to deal with ourselves every day, right? <laughs> so let's find <laughs> different people. And I'm always trying to find people with different strengths. In fact, Scott, you and I have a very different set of strengths, right? And it was really funny when you took <laughs> Strengths Finder the first time. You're like, Mo, we are completely different. So um, actually, in fact, Scott, before I go any further, why don't you tell our audience what one of your top five strengths are? Just go, go and choose one. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if I had to choose just one, I'm going to pick the one that is the most uh, opposite, you and I, and that's woo. Uh, and what woo <laughs> yep. means is winning others over. And so essentially yeah. what that means is I enjoy the challenge of meeting new people and getting to know them. I view strangers as actually energizing and meeting them is, is exciting mm. to me. One of the best examples that I have of this is uh, actually this last summer, I went to a conference uh, with um, some coworkers and uh, we ended up at an expo and I was just in my element. And the people that I were with uh, or was with even after the fact were like, we could not believe where you pulled this energy from. We'd been at this conference all day. You walked into this giant expo hall and we're just like, let's meet people. Let's see what people are handing out. Let's make connections. And they were just like, we've never seen anybody (laughs) connect. And so, yeah, there I go. That's that woo. Strangers are exciting to me. Meeting people are exciting to me. There's no such thing as an awkward moment, like love it. So that's probably the top strength that I view as kind of the biggest difference between you and I. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and obviously, Scott, I mean, we, we actually know that, right? Because I, yep. as I just said, I actually took the, 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 the 34 strengths from top to bottom. And my number 34, contrary to popular, popular belief, is woo. Um, that's not, that is not one of my strengths at all. Um, mm-hmm. And so Scott, having you on the team really brings that out for the things that we do. And it, it causes us really to have a lot of fun. And, and you're like, I mean, for our listeners out there, Scott doesn't have any non-friends. He, he meets <laughs> not strangers, but future friends. So if you ever meet Scott, um, go ahead and talk to him like you've known him forever, because he's literally going to be talking to you like that in like five minutes. So, you know, and, and Scott, it's important for both you know, you and I, right, to be aware of our strengths and how we differ because, you know, when you're a leader, you got to be in tune with others and their strengths because, you know, if you don't, they're going to end up perturbing you, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we we can start thinking like, well, wow, this person isn't like me and that really bugs me. Or we can view it the way leaders should be viewing, which is, wow, this person isn't like me. That means they have strengths that I don't. And it's easier for us to communicate with people, right, that, that think just like us. But that's not who I want on my team. I want to bring others on with different strengths, um, with a different mix of talent to really help me get better at doing the things that, that frustrate me. And, and, and you know what, Scott? You know, when we have people that have different strengths on our team, it's really going to pull us out of our comfort zone. As much as I hate being out of my, my comfort zone, you know, having people with different strengths on the team really helps you get out of that comfort zone and be better. So, you know, for our listeners out there, that's really my plug to to why you have to get that book. And let, and let me be, be clear. We, we don't have any affiliation with Tom Rath or his team. I just really love this assessment and what it's done mm-hmm. for me over the years and also the people that I work with. It's really done wonders for Scott and everybody else on our team. And, you know, whenever actually Scott and, and, and you can attest to this. Whenever I start a new coaching relationship, as I did with you, I always tell that individual, as I did in your case, right, Scott, I said, have you done the strengths finder? And if you haven't, are you willing to do it? And, you know, usually even if you've already done it, um, I'll say, hey, when's the last time you did it? Because your strengths do change over the years, but it's about, it's about connecting with people and you can do that through strengths, lead from your strengths, lead towards their strengths. Yeah, hundred percent. And I can even attest that uh, I, the first time I ever took StrengthsFinder was as a freshman in college and then didn't take it again until 
gosh, probably like four years ago. And yeah, uh, which I was well out of college by that point. And sure. complete opposite, very, very different. So just even through life, just it's it, Absolutely. it changes as you go. So uh, so all of that makes makes a ton of sense. And so let's say you've assembled that team, hopefully using StrengthsFinder. Um, what would that next <laughs> step be then? Yeah, point two is this today. Uh, you know, when you're building your winning team, it's all about fostering collaboration and synergy. One of my favorite words. Uh, and, and a winning team just isn't a group of talented individuals, which I hope you have out there as a leader, but it's a, it's a group of talented individuals who work together in a seamless fashion. That's what you want to get to. And to achieve this, um, leaders, you really need to create an environment that fosters collaboration and synergy. Mm, that, that sounds super important. So then how can leaders kind of go about doing that? Yeah, well, you can start by creating opportunities for your team members. And we talk about that a lot. And, and um, you want them to get to know each other on a personal level. Uh, that's going to strengthen relationship. It's going to help your team building. So uh, any of those kind of activities, uh, do these inside and outside of work, um, do, do them formally, do them informally. If you, if you go out with, you know, to, to dinner or, or, or something with, with uh, a person or people on your team afterwards, um, this is all beneficial. And I think it's a great way to help your team figure out what they need to do to work together to achieve any kind of objective. Um, and when they're put in scenarios um, to actually help them do this, it helps them to grow. So so you really need to challenge your team uh, in this way. And so the reason people don't like team building activities, for instance, at seminars is because, you know, people who are running those seminars, I mean, let's just say they're, they're lazy in, in, because they're just used to always doing the same activity. So Leaders, don't be lazy. Give your team the best opportunity. <laughs> put them in good situations, in, in tough situations where they have to work together and, and have synergy. And if they can work together on the small things, and trust me, when the going gets tough, they're going to support one another and they're going to be able to, to achieve the, the objectives that are set before them. Because, you know, believe me, when, when the going gets tough, trust me, conflict will arise. And that's when you're going to know the nature of your team's ability to support and work with one another. So, you know, that's the real test of synergy. Yeah. So I feel like you, you just mentioned conflict and maybe some people and some of our listeners are like, Oh shoot conflict, that <laughs> thing that nobody necessarily enjoys uh, having to traverse. And so then as leaders, how do we address and kind of solve those conflicts within the team? Yeah. Well, I mean, let me start by saying conflict is, it is natural. It's a natural part of any team. But it's the way that you address it that matters. So leaders, you know, you need to be encouraging open communication, provide a safe space for your team members to exp express concerns. And, you know, mediating these conflicts early and effectively can actually lead to better team cohesion in the long run. So really, that's the long way of me saying that, <laughs> that you really don't want to necessarily solve complex problems right away. Um, you want to give it some time when people um, run into conflict. Yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> really, you are kind of always talking about the job of a leader to that, or I should say that the job of a leader is to solve problems. And so then really, right. how does that fit then into all of this? <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, definitely a great question. And of course, you know, as a leader, yes, you're supposed to solve, you're supposed to solve the problem. And I'm not saying don't solve the problem. What I'm saying is don't make it too easy for your team. I mean, think about it. Mm. We, we're all taught in school that if you help a, a butterfly get out of a cocoon, it's going to die, right? Because it's it's the struggle that makes it able to live. And so the same goes for an egg that hatches. 
um, you know, a, a, a little chick, you know, because uh, it ends up, you know, being, you know, a, a bird or even a mighty eagle that, that's going to fly in the sky one day, right? So, hey, mm-hmm. your, your team's no different. If you help them too much and they, they're going to start relying on you for all the heavy lifting. And that's not leadership. That's management. It's leaders who are short-sighted that end up fixing the problems right away because they're just too annoyed with things. They need, they need to get to the to, to, to the next part or we just need to get this out of the way. Or we need to get to get going. And they, Scott, they just don't let the process, there's that word, they don't let the process work itself out. I feel like I, you, you say that word a whole heck of a lot. It's almost <laughs> like I'm talking with like Joel Embiid, right? Like trust the process. And so, hey, you know, can yes. you expand on that? <laughs> Yeah, I, I absolutely, Scott. And I mean, if if uh, if if I had a nickel for every time I talk about the process, um, I, I think we, we we'd all be rich, right? So, I mean, you, you leaders, you have to learn to love the process, right? I mean, it's 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 not about the destination. One thing I tell, um, I've told student athletes over the years is is do not forget the journey for the destination. The growth is the struggle. When your team is struggling and has conflict, you can know that it's either going to make them better or worse. But your job as a leader is to facilitate good interactions, communication for your team, give them the best opportunities to, to grow as individuals. And that's what's going to make them a stronger team. Nobody can really say how long the process is. Every team's different. And that's why I love working with every team, because it doesn't matter if you're in the same industry or the, or, or anything, the people are going to be different no matter what. Mm. Remember, we talked about strengths early on, right? And the, the chances that any team is going to have the same people with the same strengths is almost I- impossible. So mm-hmm. leaders, embrace the struggle. <laughs> I feel like that's a really good, good point. I feel like it's often easy to embrace the struggle in a way that's, that's unproductive. Um, but like right. you said, kind of as leaders, we should embrace that struggle as an opportunity to facilitate those good interactions and communication. Man, what that's, absolutely. that's great stuff. That's absolutely great stuff. So as we move forward here, then what would the third action be that's needed to build our winning team? Yeah, so the third action today uh, and final is this. You know, leaders, it's all about empowering and developing your team. And so our final point kind of focuses on what does it take to get the fullest potential? You see, a winning team not only achieves its current goals, but it also grows and evolves over time. So this requires you as a leader to empower your team. You need to trust them to make decisions and take ownership of their work. But that sounds pretty simple, right? When you when you say it in those <laughs> words. But yeah. how does a leader really know if they can trust their team? Yeah, well, leaders have to to develop their, their people into a team um, that they can trust. I mean, leaders, do you trust your team? You know, the, leaders, you can do it by by delegating responsibilities, um, and that provides autonomy for your team. That's a great place to start, right? And it doesn't mean just being hands off. It means that you need to offer guidance and support when needed. But like we discussed in, in team building, it's providing opportunities for their people to develop the necessary skills and knowledge to be a team that they can trust. This isn't magic. It's intentionality. Leaders invest in development uh, by encouraging continuous uh, learning, providing opportunities for skill building, um, and, and ultimately career growth for each of the individuals. Yeah, and, and really what a difference it can make for a leader, uh, or I should say what a difference it can make to work for a leader that gives you the opportunities to try new things. Uh, at the very right. least, it, it can it can make uh, work a lot more enjoyable to go to every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, um, 
Really, Scott, when 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 team members feel valued and, and they feel supported, they're more likely to, to get their best. And everything comes back to the, the development of, of of people. So, you know, since we're all about simplifying complexity around here, right? Um, <laughs> here's just like a quick practical example of of delegating responsibilities and what providing autonomy looks like. So, you know, it, uh, t- take. For instance, a, a, a football season, right? So whether you're your college or you're in, in the pros, uh, if you are the coach of a team, if you're the head coach, you have to decide how you're going to dole out those responsibilities, right? Some mm-hmm. some coaches are are very offensive minded, so they want to run all the offensive plays. Some coaches are defensive minded, and so they say, well, "I'm going to I'm going to deal with all the the, the defense. I'm going to have somebody else do the offense." But you got to make that decision as a leader. You need to know what to give away and what to keep. And let me tell you, my favorite coaches, it, whether it's pros or college or, or even down to down to the Pop Warner level, are the coaches that can delegate responsibilities that have people doing both their offense and their defense, and they're actually just able to to view everything from 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 a higher level, from maybe like mm. a ten thousand foot view, and step in when they need to, right? Because mm. that's part of the struggle, and helping your team do that's going to make them grow. And I really think those are some of the best teams out there. Yeah, I, I probably have to agree. You're always talking about Nick Saban, and uh, I feel like Nick Saban <laughs> does that. That's with right. Rolling Tide. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like he's got that 10,000 foot view of what's going on. Mm. So, yeah. So we've we've covered a lot of things today. We've covered assembling the right mix of talent, fostering collaboration and synergy, and then empowering and developing your team. So hopefully yeah. these insights are are even better for our leaders. But before we go, uh, Mode, you got any final thoughts for us? Yeah, just this, you know, leaders, um, it, it really is about taking the time to build that team. Wherever you're at in the process, make sure that you're giving yourself the grace to to build that winning team. There's going to be a lot of setbacks. Don't worry about those setbacks. Just embrace that struggle because you as the leader, you struggle at, at least as much, but probably more than the people on your team. So give yourself time to to fail Try new things. You're not going to get it all right. But if you give it your best shot, I guarantee you're going to have fun doing it. And you're going to start embracing the failures and liking them because it's going to cause you to be a better person. Mm, Absolutely. Well, everybody, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed listening today, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to share. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next time as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next time.